On this week's show, Chatham chairman Kevin Hake talks about the cup competition, which will be coming to the county next month. I think it's, it's a wonderful um, opportunity for everyone, really, and it just it gives everyone something to look forward to. And Ramsgate manager Matt Longhurst on his full-time role and the club getting a 3G pitch. The club is just growing right away from the roots through to the first team, and it's a, it's a really exciting time. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast brought to you in association with SCSA Sports Management. We've got two interviews for you to enjoy this week and it's been a bit quieter than last week. Hopefully we won't upset any Abitur-less Twitter users with six followers this time. Uh, I'm John Phipps, I've had quite a week on the domestic front, more on that later. And on the line now is a man who for this week only, I'm going to call Jabba the Hutt. Matt Gerard, were you a big brave soldier when you had your first COVID vaccination today? Yes, it was very well organised at the old Saga building in Thanet. Um, just a dirt little scratch so hopefully I won't have no side effects in the next 24 hours but very well organised so fair play to the NHS so um, good to see I'm uh, halfway there to immunisation if that's the correct thing but uh, yeah very well organised and uh, yeah I felt a bit you know I feel good I feel proud to be British after I got my jab <laughs> Is that were you singing like God Save the Queen during it or no right, big up the NHS that's what I say big up the NHS so, no, it was good. I felt, you know, you felt good. So I'm sure everybody else probably feels good. But, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. If if I'm sick as a pig in the next 24 hours, I'll probably be less happy. But, um, no, I feel uh, feel good, mate. Feel good. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I mean, as I say, I'm, I'm quite a way away from it. But I'm sure when my turn comes around, I'll be uh, equally uh, thrilled to have been. And I will sing Land of Hope and Glory uh, throughout when I'm having it done, just for you, Matt. Thanks, mate. Where do they have it in um, Eastbourne? Is that is that a place? Yeah, there's been a couple. Uh, there's there's well, there's, I think I've known of three, and now four because one shut down and they've moved it, that one to another one. But yeah, there's plenty of places. It's quite a big place, Eastbourne. Believe it or not, mate. You should come visit one day. Yeah, well, well somewhere to stay, I might do. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, um, no, it's it's, it's yeah. all good, and I'm glad to hear that you've uh, that that you've that you're done and uh, have you got your second appointment booked yet or is it eight to twelve weeks they said so uh, we'll wait for that to come through and go from there yeah no yeah i wonder what'll happen first your second or my first i think it'll be close i know your four uh well i presume they'll do 40 to 45 no i reckon you'll get your done by the end of may yeah, be close. We shall see. We shall see what happens. Anyway, it's our 168th episode this week, and Route 168 of the National Cycling Network runs in part of the Yorkshire Dales, and it takes in Saltburn by the Sea. Now, that's the second time that particular place has had a mention on this podcast. Matt, can you remember why it was mentioned before? Uh, is it anywhere near Darlington? It's not far from Darlington, yes, but can you remember specifically why we mentioned Saltburn by the Sea? Uh, they haven't played in the Vars, have they? Nope. No. Do you remember you did a book review? Ah, that man from there, yes. Yes, there you go. All right, I've got that on my bookshelf here, that book as well. So, um, yeah, very good read it is as well. So Good. And uh, as I said at the time, my friend uh, Mark Welford lives in Saltburn-by-the-Sea. And I uh, just feel like I'd give him another shout-out anyway. Uh, 168 is also the number of dots on a full set of dominoes. And an oft-forgotten fact is the number of hours in a week. Some weeks, though, it feels like many... Many more, to be brutally honest. On with the show then, and we start this week back in the scaffold. We discussed last week the news that Corinthian are set to be nominated for a promotion spot. And we went on to mention the cup competition, which is being held by five clubs from the two leagues, which is due to begin on May the 18th. The five teams in that competition are Sheppey United, Chatham Town, Lordswood, Punjab United and Rochester. And after doing a bit of investigation work, well, sending one text, uh, I learned it was the Chats who were the masterminds behind this competition. So we went straight to the top uh, and I caught up with Chats chairman it's difficult to say that chatham chairman kevin hake uh, some really exciting news about the cup competition at the end of the interview but before that i asked kevin for his thoughts about the fa decision which looks as though it may well lead to promotion for corinthian um i'm not 100 sure where it's going um with it all but look if corinthian go up because they've been the best team um over the last two years then then, then good luck to them it's it's a difficult one when when they're saying that last season's null and void so it's difficult that, for me that's difficult to get your head around um because if the season's null and void i can't see how that's getting taken into account i would have thought we'd have gone to the other season um the season prior to that but look at the end of the day i think what's important i, I think Corinthian and um beckham 
um, should have been promoted anyway. The season that was made null and void. So I think it's only just that if they're the top team that they, they, they get promoted. I think we just need to see progression, really, rather than just this, this stale mate that we're, we're, we're currently sort of experiencing at the moment. And I suppose looking at the bigger picture as well, it's, it's one less team for you to beat next season. Yeah, it, it is, it is. But um, look, if you're going to win the league, then um, you've got to go and beat them. You know, you've got to do good against the, the, the good teams anyway. But no, good luck to Corinthian or Beckenham or Cheppy or us or whoever it may be. I think we just want to see a bit of change and actually things moving forward because it does feel, I feel for our manager, Scott, because he hasn't actually completed the season yet, which is not, it's not his fault at all. How are things generally at the chats at the moment? I mean, obviously, I know you've done a lot of great community work and I guess that's still carrying on, but there's obviously the, the frustration that there's no football at the moment. Uh, there is. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we've, we've tried to, um, you know, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade and all that. And uh, we've we've done extensive work to the, the, the dressing rooms. Um, we've built a new 400-seater stand. We've done works, to, refurbishments, works to the bar, put new um, AV um, all around the ground so we've tried to do as much as we can as well as do all of our you know community work um, that we're very proud of and we, we've tried to just do all, all that we can our, our youth system has um, gone from strength to strength um, during the lockdown period and th- that's what we're trying to do is just keep improving as best we can obviously we know the first team couldn't play but all we've just done is looked at all the different areas to say right how can we keep improving and also, so, you teams um, are back in action as well at the moment and, and doing bits and pieces. So that's got to be a, a great sight for a chairman of a club. It's great. Um, just to see the kids back out on the pitch and the club being used, it was heartbreaking, really. Whilst you could build stands and do refurbishments to bars and all them lovely things, if your, your pitch is not getting used, you know, it's it's heartbreaking, really. So to see the kids back um, is, is, is amazing. Smiles on faces. And I think it's just really important because... Look, we can all, as you know, um, influential people in a football club, get a bit self-absorbed. But when you look at the kids, they've had a really difficult year, you know, along along with us. But you know, to see them, us to get to some bit of normality, it's it's great to see. And so you've decided that when fans are hopefully allowed back in in, in some in some way, shape, or form next month, you, there's going to be a cup competition. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, it was um, it was just an idea I've muted around. Um, I looked at all the information that we could do with the DCMS and um, the FA and all the guidelines. So we thought, right, let's start something the 18th of May. I know Skeffle tried to get something off the ground, but having the games without supporters is um, is sort of pointless. So we've still got you know that hurdle to come across if should they change it. But yeah, I just contacted you know a few of the local teams around and just said, look, let's do something home and away. Um, so people get a chance to get their football back. You know, clubs get a chance to get a bit of revenue in the bar and and, and supporters coming through just to try and give us some sort of normality because I just felt as though it was too long to wait from, you know, I think March the 29th is when we could have started, you know, playing again. You know, 17th of May looks like when supporters can come back in. It was just too long to wait to sort of the traditional pre-season of, you know, first week in July. So I thought, right, let's just try and do this. Then we'll have a, you know, sort of a, a short break in for a couple of weeks, probably in June, and then we'll kickstart the season on again um, from there, really. And I guess obviously you've got Sheffield United in there, a well-supported team. You're well-supported, and and all the other clubs as well. I think they're going to be feeling the benefit of it because people will just want to see some football, won't they? I agree, and um, without going into the too much was going, on, I, I felt as though the upper echelon of the game was 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 uh, waning, shall we say, with. You know, no fans and it's just so sterile there and you look at what they're introducing now, you know, with the potential Super League, it's, um, I think people are going to get more and more drawn to grassroots football because it's real. It's real. You can, you know, you can sense what's going on at the stadium. You can get a sense of, look, this money's not going to multi-billionaire owners, you know, this is going into improving facilities for your local community, you know, and I think football clubs have a responsibility within the community. In my opinion, they're the modern-day churches. Where else do you get a gathering of 500-plus people, you know, all um, all united? And I think we can we can make a difference within our communities if only, you know, other clubs would just take the same sort of stance, really. I think, you know, communities can be changed. Look, we're in chat and we know exactly what we are 
in Chatham, I know it's an area of um, depravity, but we're trying to do the best of what we can to try and influence and, and better our local community. And I think others can can follow suit and do the same. And that's not just clubs at our level, that's, that's clubs at all levels. And with the cup as well, I suppose, you know, you, people will be coming in. But I, I'm guessing it's going to be quite a, a, a good competition as well because you've got a lot, you're going to have players who are going to be wanting to improve and, and, and impress and try and, you know, sort out their selves for next season as well. And, and it's just a great opportunity for everyone, isn't it? It is, um, um, particularly the youth as well, which is great because I'm sure every club involved in this, this mini sort of competition is going to, I know we are certainly going to be looking at our, our youth because you've got, you know, eight games and nine games including the final really so that and a traditional pre-season which is going to consist of six seven games you can be looking at 15 16 games for, for teams to sorry for, for players to actually try and get a part in and impress the impress the manager so i, I think it's, it's a wonderful um, opportunity for everyone really and it just it gives everyone something to look forward to supporters players owners whatever you might be it's a, it's a good um it's a good thing uh, and just finally kevin we had a bit of a chat last week so um would you like to tell our listeners who, who's going to be providing the trophy for the uh, for the competition um you kindly um have agreed to sponsor the um, event and um, provide the trophy for it um it's going to be a lovely glamorous <laughs> diamond encrusted trophy i'm sure john so um on a serious note, it's great to get the um, to support um, from people like yourselves to you know, provide us with the exposure as well. And well, otherwise, we'll, we'll, we'll promote you guys. And no, it's just look, it's good to see the non-league football community just joining together. Even though you know you look at some of the teams and you know us, Sheppey and and Punjab are all the Lords are all in the same division. But look, we've all united because it's for the good of. It's, there's no bad news with it, so it's um, but it's great. And thanks very much, personally, John, for um, agreeing to sponsor that. It's great. It's good of you. Yes, that's right, folks. It's our cup. Uh, absolutely delighted that we're going to get to be sponsoring the competition. A definite example of if you don't ask, you don't get. Uh, Matt, it says in your newly drawn up contract that you have to say now how fantastic the competition is going to be. Uh, but joking aside, it's going to be amazing to have fans in the county able to watch the cup, isn't it? Yeah, I think it'll be really good. I think they've looked, they've sort of organised it around the Euros for the final as well. Yeah, I think um, what he said there, again, great community work Chatham are doing, getting people in, they can enjoy the football. I said, look, the only thing I'm concerned about is how long you have a pre-season. That's my only concern, but I presume they'll use a lot of players, all these squads, to test them out from there. But some people may say that summer football could be the way forward. If they get good crowds here, which I'm sure they probably will, because particularly, you know, the sides in the sort of north of the county will be looking to enjoy themselves, have a few beers, watch the football and, and get that feeling back again. But absolutely fantastic that they're, well, what we call them, the Kent Non-League Podcast Cup, is it? Well, I mean, that hasn't been confirmed yet, but I'd like to think it might be that, yeah. Do you, well, do you think the Kent Online, when they report on this, will call it that? No. Right. So, so will, it, will it be written anywhere? I hope so. I don't know. The Kent Online, yeah. We haven't, we haven't gone into the, the, the finer you, details you, of it you, yet. You've got your source in a trophy, aren't you? Yeah, that is the plan, yes. I'm going to source a trophy. So, uh, so, and then we will uh, we will sort out getting it up to, to the winners. And, and what, I, what I do really like about this competition is that they're all teams that are quite close together geographically as well. You know, there's no big long trips in there. It's kind of centred on that area with Chatham at the heart of it. Obviously, Sheppey are playing their home games at Chatham as well. So it is very much a, a, a competition where no one's travelling too far. Fans will be able to go to every game quite easily. And, and I just think it's a it's a fantastic idea. And, and as he said there, up to nine games uh, for the teams that get to the final. They will rotate their teams, but I can guarantee they're all going to want to win that trophy. And, you know, when you've got Sheppey and Chatham in there, they are probably going to be the favourites. And I'd imagine those games between them are going to be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think... Um... I think there's a little bit of, you know, a bit of rivalry. The supporters have come out, enjoy the game, enjoy the banter between the two sides. And I presume you want to put a marker down for next season as well, isn't it? That's the most important thing that you can uh, say, right, get in this and we can use that for next season. But yeah, looking forward to sit again, looking forward. To, will there be some players turn up, John? You think, ooh, are they going there? So yeah, looking forward to it. But great work what Chatham are doing off behind the scenes as well. Really, really good stuff. And yeah, I think... Community-wise, Chatham have been fantastic, and I think giving something back, and hopefully they can make some money out of this competition as well, because we're not paying them a great deal for sponsorship. <laughs> well, 
Uh, no, we're not. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the other thing, of course, Matt, is that there's going to be some players, as I said to Kevin there, who are probably playing for a future at that club. It, it, in a way, it is a, an early pre-season, an early sighter and a chance for players to, to show where they could be. And and uh, and as well, for, for teams from, from all five of those clubs, there's going to be people looking at that and thinking, well, you know, we could impress, especially, I suppose, players at Rochester. If they fancy stepping up to the, to the Scaffold Premier, they're playing against four Scaffold Premier clubs. And that's a good opportunity for, for so many players. And I think it's, it's fascinating to have this. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Hope, well, I don't think it'll ever happen again. I think this is a real one-off because hopefully no more seasons are going to be curtailed, null and void, ended, whatever. But what a great initiative and, and fair play to, to Chatham and, and, and the other four teams for getting on board. Yeah, I think, I think you know, unfortunately, with the... The crowd thing comes to the 17th of May, a bit difficult for the Scaffold. I know the Scaffold wanted to organise something, but crowds not being there. But it gives us perfect time. Hopefully the sun will be shining um, and people can enjoy it. And I'll be looking out for the results And from there. And of course, you know, not many people can say, well, in 25 years, they say, do you remember the Kent Non-League Podcast Cup? Exactly. What trophy it is to have. Somebody will have that in their trophy cabinet. Yeah. Think what a trophy that was. I know it's amazing, isn't it? It's yeah. it's it's really really good, and and uh, thank you very much to to Kevin for letting us get on board because I did say in my in my initial text to him uh, if you'd rather go with someone who's actually going to pay you some stuff, uh, then you know we're happy to. But as I say, if you don't ask, you don't get. So uh, really grateful to to Chatham for the opportunity, um, and yeah, yeah, great competition um, we we're looking forward to it and obviously we'll try to get to some games as well um, including of course the final because you know we've got to be there to see who gets their mitts on our cup haven't we I want to be one of those people you know when they hand the trophy over yeah then run away because the champagne's blowing right nice okay got you uh, Kevin was also fairly magnanimous about the FA decision from last week even as a team that has potentially lost out a little bit uh, it's odd that because according to our Twitter fan a huge amount of clubs agree that it was the wrong decision and we are out of touch with non-league football uh, just go show what they know uh, but Matt Chatham just focusing on the bigger picture I think and, and I thought it was fair when he said you know well I did think in the season that was null and void, Corinthian and Beckenham deserved to get promoted. So from there and the fact that Corinthian took it on to, to this season, it, it, it is the the sensible decision. I'm not saying it's the right decision. I'm not saying um, that I hugely agree with everything the FA do, as, as also was levelled at us, but it is looking at the, the, the bigger picture. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's very magnanimous for him to say that the condition, I think it's good for the, the league's, to have new, new fresh blood and teams getting promoted, and as he said there, maybe opens another spot for him. But Corinthian over the time, it is a strange one when they sell it was null and void. They're going to use those points, but maybe that season hasn't been wasted. So uh, yeah, um, well, I presume by this time next week it will be verified or ratified, and um, we can look forward to that. And Chatham can, I'm sure, planning ahead for next season as well. So uh, yeah, but really, you know, again. I always say it on this pod, people are so passionate about football at this level. I mean, particularly what's been going on the last few days. You've really got to appreciate that, that people do it just for the love of the game, not for wealth and, you know, and fame and things like that. So absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, good luck to Chatham next season. They're the side, them and they're the side to beat with the organisation they've got behind the scenes. And, you know, where can they go if they get everything right? I think they're, they're looking with a good manager they've got as well. Interesting times ahead of that club. I think the thing is with with Chatham and to, to a certain extent Sheppey as well. I get the feeling that one promotion won't be enough for those. I, th- I think they've got sights on on going up to another level at least. And, and I think both have got the potential. And Kevin there, you know, he obviously is very passionate, as you say. He, he knows what he's doing, and and he's run that club really, really well. Because and we're going to be talking more about community as well. But the community, what they do, they were community club of the year, weren't they last year? And so the work they're doing, and as he said, you know, Chatham, it is what it is. It is an area where there's poverty and things like that. But they're trying to to bring everything together. And in this week of all weeks, it's nice to hear of a football club really caring about their supporters. Uh, yeah, I think, I think as he said in there, half the people in these games are not just for the players to get a game in, which is always it, but it's giving something back for the supporters. And I'm sure all the work they've done, they'll be really sort of milking it, people coming back and just sort of saying thank you. I'm sure the community will come out to these games and next season as well and thank what a good job 
that uh, the Chatham are doing in the local area. So uh, really, yeah, great stuff. Really, really pleased, and it's good to have a, good to have something to look forward to, John, because we haven't had much football recently. No, we haven't. Uh, up to the Eastman League South East, which is what Chatham will hopefully be doing next season, uh, where the positive news has continued for Ramsgate. Uh, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Matt Longhurst is now a full-time member of staff at the club. And that's been followed this week by the news that the playing surface at Southwood is being ripped up and replaced by a 3G surface. Uh, so much good stuff coming out of Ramsgate at the moment. So it felt like a good time to catch up with Matt Longhurst. And he started by explaining just what his full-time role at the club means. So basically, um, there's been loads going on behind the scenes over the last kind of year where I know we've played a few games, but pretty much since I've been there, I mean, I took over in January and we played till March, then it got locked down and then we came back in the uh, July for pre-season and played till October and then stopped again. Um, So the chairman's very very ambitious in the sense that he wants to build a proper football club, which was kind of why when I first left East Greenfield, I kind of lost a little bit of interest um, because I was struggling to find the right club that I could actually do what I want to do. My kind of ethos behind what I do is if I think you're not going to go and get the Chelsea, the Arsenal, the Man United jobs, but you might get a League Two job or a Conference job or a Conference South job. And to do that, you need to be proven in building football clubs from bottom to top and you need to be able to produce players, coach players, recruit. Um, and produce your own players and produce a bit of a platform for, for the community. And, and like I say, I uh, obviously started at Corinthians and then on to here from Belvedere and then on to East Grinstead. And like I say, Ramsgate's now kind of provided that platform. When I sat with the chairman, his, his ambitions were very similar to my own. Um, and between the two of us and one or two other full-time members of staff, we've got coaching syllabus is in place now for the youth structure from the from the from the babies up to the uh, up to the 23s in the first team we've got 65 youth teams now uh, when i first came over there was 27 is 65 so we've got the best part of a thousand kids in the club now um we've had the panic cages installed obviously for a match day experience which keeps our younger supporters engaged we've just had a new bar put in the ground which is nearly finished and be finished by the end of this week which is glass fronted so with the 3g uh, going in uh which starts in two weeks today the 3g will be ready for next season so we should be on that in the back end of july we've now got a new glass fronted bar inside the stadium where the parents can then sit and watch training uh for the children because all the, all the kids teams will all train and play at the ground and obviously then Again, parents and younger supporters can sit in the warm and dry and still watch the games on a Saturday. So, um, so we've done that. And obviously, my my role with the first team, we're going to be fairly young this year. We're, we're just about to announce uh, a really exciting apprenticeship scheme. So basically, looking at players that are going to come out of a professional game, potentially not really know what to do of themselves at either 16, 18, 19, 20, whether they've been a YT or a pro and didn't quite make it. We're offering a unique apprenticeship scheme, which will be a two-year first-team contract coupled with a two-year apprenticeship. So with the apprenticeship, a little bit different to the kind of the B-Tech programs that are running at the moment in a lot of the clubs, this will actually give them a lot of vast different uh, exit routes into different types of workplace. Plus, they'll be based in the, in the local community with us, being mentors, um, working alongside the local community, uh, working under myself, um, as well as obviously playing in the first team, which sort of kind of gives them the work exit routes, and also hopefully by playing a certain number of senior football games, they could also potentially go back into into professional football themselves. So that's just about to launch. So I'll be heavily involved with that and running that. Um, I mean, I'm based in a primary school sector as well for the club, so we'll be working with the primary schools again, trying to build our own. Uh, teams and making sure that we get more people engaged in sport because uh, we very much noticed that kind of people that succeed genuinely in life have got a heavily uh, sport or active lifestyle um, so we're trying to make sure that all children uh, and people within the local community are becoming more active we've just run two soccer schools well a soccer school and an activity camp multi-sports camp so we had over the well, best part of 500 kids across six days in the holidays uh, so I look after them as well. Um, so, yeah, so there's, there's, it, it, the club is just growing right away from the roots through to the first team. And the idea really is we've got, we've pretty much kept the vast majority of next season or last season's squad. Um, 
one or two have gone and then we're just looking to bring in three or four of these lads which will be also full-time players but also full-time working for the club as well so it's a, it's a, it's a really exciting time. It really is. And I know Ramsgate for the past sort of few years have, have really sort of focused on the local area and the, and the community side of things. And and I think now it sounds like from what you're saying there that, that, that you're almost there in terms of being a community club first and then an Isthmian League team second, I suppose. But you, you, what everything you're doing around the, 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 the area of Ramsgate is just fantastic for, for the club and for the area. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no, we very much are a, we want to become a community hub. I mean, the facilities have been improved, obviously improved no end. Then we're looking at obviously further improvements in terms of, um, we work closely with East Kent College now, um, and obviously the primary school sector. Once we've got the 3G, then we can have the primary schools utilise our facilities during the day if they don't have facilities, or the weekends, evenings, etc. And then, like I say, the, the kind of, the, the net, obviously, there's a major project, the 3G. But the next further investment for that will to be build a new glass fronted stand with a healthy kitchen. And again, it just furthermore allows more and more people to use the stadium as a uh, as a community hub. So, but I mean, the new bar facility will certainly help that as well because it just means that all the coaches, all the parents. All the first team, everyone is based in one place. So it allows me to facilitate more of the coaching and oversee the coaching to make sure the children are being taught the right things. And it just means that socially people have actually got a, uh, a kind of a home. So, um, yeah, as I say, certainly uh, uh, it kind of all ties in. But it's, it's, it's very much a community hub. And also, obviously, we, we are a, uh, a Lisbon Step 4 football club with, with aspirations of growing that to uh, to progress on that side as well but like i say we want to try and progress it and do it the right way so that um there's a foundation laid there and built for for many years to come which is why we want a uh, kind of a younger uh, fan base because if you get them in now and they stay with the club whether they stay as turnstile operatives or whether they go into coaching or we're not just aiming at that one child out of our thousand children that might make it to a premier league footballer or a football league player we're aiming it at the other 999 that might become bricklayers and painters and decorators and bar staff and people that run the website for us is just that that's the whole concept of the club and I suppose that this week of all, that's kind of something that's, uh, that's very important. But I suppose on the pitch as well, even though you've got a lot of other roles out there, you've still got to produce the results for the first team as well. Without a doubt, yeah, no, look, I still need to produce results. Ultimately, like I say, we've got a fan base there that obviously they want to see us win games. And um, But the, the, the kind of the, the, the model this year now and moving forward is that the chairman wants a young group of players that are going to be here for a, a few years. So we've already put two or three of our younger ones on contracts. We've got two or three of the um, local-based players like Tom Chapman and Rory Smith actually going to tie it down again. Um, and... Yeah, we've got to kind of build this year, but it's not building right from the scratch. We've already got the basis of a decent team, um, so certainly we want to be uh, we want to be um, at the right end of the table without a doubt. But it's just got to be playing the right way, doing the right things, and there's no rush to that. The way we want to do things, and the way the chairman and the club and the board want to do things, and the way they want they want the team to be playing. Because um, we've got a young fan base, these boys are being brought up on the Man Cities and the Barcelonas and the Chelsea's and, the, and all those exciting teams. And if we want them to carry on coming to watch us on a 3G pitch, then we need to kind of produce that type of brand of football for them. And also the way that we're coaching the children from bottom to top now also feeds into that as well. So, um, so yeah, the, 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 there's, there's a patience and a, and a plan behind what we're doing, but at the same time, obviously... We want to win games. It's interesting to hear about how the the whole club, the whole town almost, is putting together under one umbrella, Matt. And that glass-fronted bar overlooking the pitch, it sounds uh, quite something, doesn't it? Yeah, okay. 3G is a big factor there. Bring everybody under the umbrella. Um, I say, hear good things about people I know about Ramsgate. All the youth clubs have gone into um, under that umbrella for them to sort of work together. So, yeah, absolutely. I haven't been up to Southwood for a while, but maybe I'll uh, have to have a nose up there, see what it's like, have a look at the bar and uh, watch some football again. So, uh, absolutely fantastic. We, maybe the football in Thanet's on the way up. If Margate can get their uh, 
ground grading's going, Ramsgate doing it as well. Different different models they're working to, but good for the area of Thanet as well. So uh, that's good to see. But again, fantastic work getting things organised and giving something back to the community, Ramsgate. And again, hopefully they'll be rewarded with people coming to watch them. And uh, Matt Longhurst as well, man, experienced manager, but he's, he's he's still got ambitions, which I thought was, you know, quite interesting. He said, you know, I can see myself getting up through the leagues, but I need to have that experience. And he feels that at Ramsgate, he's getting to to oversee the whole club. And being a full time uh, post there is, is is an interesting conundrum. And and I did kind of say to him at the end, you've still got to get results on the pitch because it's all well and good saying, well, he's he's our community officer, but he's still got to produce the goods on a Saturday. Yeah, it was quite interesting what he said there. You know, he'd like to manage conference house, conference and maybe League Two. He's getting an overview of a football club, isn't he? Doing that, doing everything, working with the academy, which are, clearly is a big thing, I think. When you see managers coming in, a lot of these um, academy managers are mal-managing, having a thorough look at youth football and trying to bring it through. And if Ramsgate can get all their kids, if they can get one person playing at a higher level they've done a fantastic job but what I liked as well he said it doesn't really matter if you know if they're painted or decorated they'll always get something back at that club they'll try to round them as a human being which is which is what it's all about rather than you know some of these academy players when they're left on the scrap heap I think at Ramsgate there you know you'll be taught the right way as a person and as a footballer. And things as well, Ramsgate, he said there, you know, he's got a young team, uh, which they've been trying to do for several years. But he says he's got some good players signed on. But listening to that, he did sort of say, we want to be towards the right end of the table. Now, on the pitch, it's been a difficult few years for Ramsgate. They've been down the lower reaches of, of the Ishmael League South East. And I'm wondering, Matt, when he says right end of the table, I, I think that for a team that's been at the bottom, is it difficult for them to look realistically at the chance of promotion from the Isthmian League South East this season because the teams at the top are only seeming to get stronger. And I think if Hastings, Cray Valley had been promoted by now, the league may feel more open to a, a Ramsgate. And that's, that is the other difficulty of, of all these things that have gone on, of the divisions all staying the same. The teams the, the, the teams that have been really good have got that reputation. They've got that that nous and, they, and they've got that making themselves hard to beat before teams turn up. Intimidation factor, I suppose. So, realistically, I can't see that a team who's been in the position Ramsgate have been for the last two seasons, challenging the top two this season in the Eastman League, next season, sorry, in the Eastman League South East. Do, do you get what I'm saying with that one? Yeah, I think it'll be tough. Um, I think that the infrastructure may be there for a couple of years, build up, build the players, give the players experience, which I know I did now, they had some good results on and off, didn't they, last season? They started really well. I think um, it's just building that squad together. If you can keep the squad, the youth players, they've got a couple more, maybe a year, 18 months more experience. And then they maybe can look to, to challenge at the top. But I think stability, clearly they've got stability off the pitch. Um, and I think of all the clubs, probably the last year, they've probably come out a lot stronger. Um, both sides, both Chatham and, and Ramsgate, as in... They haven't sat on their laurels, right? We do stuff off the pitch, update the ground, and, and get involved with the community, which could only benefit them in the future going forward. Ramsgate, you know, I think they were a penalty shootout away at Conference South under the awards, weren't they? So mm. they've got the potential there, and they utilised um, the the local fanic players from there. So it'll be interesting. The guy I um, get my hair cut with, thank goodness I'm getting a cut this week, um, used to play for Ramsgate, and I'll try and get his his viewpoint on it as well because. You know, he's quite big in the local scene and see what he thinks about it. But, yeah, I think um, stability off the pitch is good. I can't believe they will be challenging, but you never know. They It could have worked well with these youth teams. But I think over a couple of years, if they can keep the squad together, then they could be looking, maybe looking for a player position in a couple of seasons' time. And that apprenticeship scheme that he talks about there as well, Matt, very exciting to, to see that they're looking at players who've had their dreams of a professional career curtailed is, a, is probably a buzzword but giving them an opportunity to to look at the bigger picture of it and and the, the passion that Matt Longhurst gave throughout that interview about getting people involved he said you know we want people whether they might help us do the website in years to come whether they want to 
painters or decorators just to get everything and, and bring that town together. And, and Ramsgate Football Club was, uh, uh, when I covered Margate and Ramsgate, I used to enjoy going to both, but there was just something about Ramsgate. The, the feel was just so warm and, you know, they've got the air raid siren they play when they score and bits and pieces, but it just always felt really welcoming. And I'm glad to see now that everything around it is, is, is adding up. And obviously James Lawson's doing a great job, but this is the work that Phil Fennell started there many years ago, um, as, as far as I'm concerned. And now it's finally just taken a little bit, a little bit more. And if anything, I think this, this gap from playing football has, has helped Ramsgate kind of reassess where they are and put everything in place. And, and I think that obviously there's no winners out of the COVID situation, but I think Ramsgate have used the time really, really well, not just by getting involved in the community, but taking stock of where they are and how they're going to push forward. Yeah, I, I, I think if, if it's a football club, if you haven't done that over the last year and when you were supposed to be playing games and the minimum amount of games, I think you probably missed the trick. Because you could have looked at how your club works, even if, even if it was OK, but just doing up the ground and little bits and pieces, I think you're going to come from the benefit. You might not benefit it this year or maybe not next year, but going forward, you may look back as, you know, the time you spent looking at the, your club, etc., like that, where, where you can go from and to succeed so absolutely yeah great again Kent football is in, is in a is in a good good place at the moment John I think um if we can maybe get Bromley into the playoffs it would be even better so but yeah really delighted I think everything's working well yeah a few bits of transfer news knocking around the Eastman League uh, Nick Blue has left uh, VCD Athletic the goalkeeper uh, but has been replaced very quickly by Sam Motts the uh, the Ashford goalkeeper uh, who was? Uh, he's a very, very good goalkeeper. So that's a good signing uh, for VCD. Folkestone, Ronnie Dolan has signed on. And Kieran McCann has finished running now, uh, but he is uh, going to be back at Folkestone in Victor uh, for next season. So a, a good signing uh, for Folkestone in Victor. He, he was there before. Uh, they know all about him. He's a Neil Cogley sort of player and, and a nice fella as well. Yeah, I think he was very cool. When you see the uh, announcement coming back, the Folkestone fans were very much... Um... Delighted he was coming back. Clearly, he's going to be fit for the new season after do um, after doing all his running. So, folks are definitely doing their work early doors, and I know some people are criticising managers for doing their transfer work in April. But I think, but as I said before, we talked about Ramsgate. You think work, you know, get your job done early, get your players in, get yourself settled. So, Neil Cudley again. I think uh, he'll be looking to uh, to go one better next year, and a good signing. You know, you, you know what you're going to get from Folkestone. And, bringing people in he can trust. Uh, obviously, Matt, we can't do a football show without actually talking properly about the issue that has dominated world news this week, uh, the announcement of the European Super League. Now, in the last couple of hours uh, since I wrote this script, uh, things have all pretty much uh, started to spiral uh, with Chelsea and Manchester City pulling out. Ed Woodward is leaving Manchester United. And I'm sure by the time I get around to editing this, there'll be even more news and the European Super League may be dead in the water by then. Uh, but there's been lots of reaction from people in and around the county. Uh, including Glebe, who had a tweet with more than 2,000 likes, uh, which says, in 26 years, we've sent our best talent to Arsenal, Chelsea and Spurs. In return, we've never even been offered a bag of balls. These clubs have no interest in our grassroots. Now they're set to make £300 million a year in this new Super League. And podcast listener Stephen Seymour has also been in touch with a question, Matt. Which is worse, the Super League or the North-South Hybrid League proposal? Uh, I think it's a close call, actually. I mean, the North-South Hybrid wasn't an unimaginably bad idea. But how it was eventually proposed was. So on balance, I'm edging towards the Super League being a, a far worse idea. What, what are your thoughts? Um, again, I don't follow a Premier League team, so um, it doesn't really bother me that much. You know, I'm too long in the tooth to realise that, you know, the big clubs, all they care about is money. And, um, you, know, you know, all these Chelsea fans who are, um, you know, I'm delighted it's got shut down. Um, I just hope the media don't say, well, what a, you know, start slapping themselves on the back about this because, you know, they would have been probably the first ones to jump on board if it had gone through. But that's a different story. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's nothing surprises me, John. Um, nobody really cares. You know, the Premier League is something I'm not that bothered about. And these clubs think they can take people for granted. Um I didn't think it would go ahead. It's probably a bargaining tool and UEFA are going to give them even more money. And, you know, hopefully something can go on from this because, you know, in the next few days when it all goes down, 
there'll be, you know, Chelsea will be trying to buy Haaland for 150 million. And, you know, we've got clubs in the area, a lot of clubs can't even afford to carry on. So, um, I, I, yeah, I, I, some part of me thinks it's a bit of a bargaining tool and they've got what they do. I don't know if they'll be punished for this. Probably not because they won't have the balls to punish these big clubs. Um, yeah, it's just a bit of a farce, really. Um, it makes me think of how, you know, people power or fan power has gone through. Maybe I should have marched on the National League's headquarters, John, and say, you know, leave my Dover Athletic alone. It's not our fault we can't afford to carry on. And maybe we would have got somewhere. And maybe Ollie Bailey's could have been the Gary Neville of the National League. But, yeah, clearly it's worked. Um, yeah, farcical situation. But if it had gone ahead, John, it wouldn't have, you know, I don't give a monkey's about the Premier League. So, um at the end of the day, so football's football's been dead to me at that level for a long time. So um, I'll leave it at that. You know, the lower levels are where I'm more interested in. From league league two downwards, really. That's 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 my baby, as they say. Yeah, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid apparently have also uh, pulled out of the idea this evening. Uh, my thoughts on it. What I will say is, you know, I've got all these other clubs, you know, doing, you know, all these things saying it's an absolute disgrace, but. If they'd have been offered to join in, they'd have joined anyway, wouldn't they? Hmm. There's no morals probably in all these teams because when they get 115 million, whatever it is, TV money, if they're going to get another 115 million, they're just going to take it because they're businesses. If, 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 you know, I quite like Everton. If Everton were in instead of Spurs, do you think Everton would have turned it down? That's a million dollar question. And of course, lest we forget, Matt, you are an, an Arsenal fan at heart, so they'd snuck in. Well. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I don't think it is, though. One thing I will say, you've got all these people saying, oh, I'd give up my season ticket and go and watch my local team. People wouldn't, because, you know, there's thousands of Arsenal season. People would, if, if it had got through, people would have watched it and it would have been a success. I'm absolutely sure, because people need their football fix. And if you've been following for Arsenal, Spurs or Manchester United for 30 years, I think you'd find it very difficult not to do it again. I think that, from my point of view, Obviously, I don't support a Premier League team either. And I think from a Kent Only podcast point of view, which is my my priority when it comes to football, I don't think the, the impact would have been any in any way negative on, on us. In fact, I think it might have been positive on our clubs because obviously the money would, would be there. Some of it might filter down through transfer fees or, or something like that. But also, if fans aren't put out or if fans are put out by it, the, the Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs fans in the Kent area, they might look up their local non-league team and, and, and get in touch with grassroots and say, oh, this, oh, football's gone. And I think the one thing that has kind of made me laugh, I mean, I've enjoyed the last couple of days immensely. I've been chatting to a few people about what's happened and I've been, been enjoying it all unravel, if I'm, if I'm brutally honest, as a, as a complete outsider. But what I do think as well is that everyone's saying, oh, they don't care about the fans. No, this isn't about the fans now. It's not about... You know, the, the this Trafford area of Manchester. It's not about that. It's about worldwide audiences. And that's what's happened to football. The Premier League has become so centred on these worldwide audiences. They need to find a way to make that. So, yes, they're saying that they don't care about the fans who live locally. And, and they don't need to. It's, the Premier League has continued exactly as normal for the past 12 months without a single supporter being in the stadium. So that kind of tells you everything about where this happened. And I think that that, that has been the kind of catalyst for this, because ultimately, even if no one from Liverpool wants to go and watch Liverpool, they could still feel Anfield with, with tourists coming to watch the game. And is it better for them to have a supporter who will, who will come twice a season and have, you know, tickets being readily available for people, it might work out better for them in the long run. That may be part of what they're thinking. I mean, I think it's a, obviously it's a, a shambles and, and, the, the whole no relegation we're in and that's that is is appalling. But then again, you look at the NFL, which is staggeringly popular, despite having no relegation, no no competition like that. So it I can see why they came up with the idea, but it is obviously awful. And I'm glad to see that there has been such uh, a negative groundswell against it. And it, and it obviously isn't going to happen by the looks of things now. But I can... I can sympathise with where they've come from. And, and if they're that desperate to go, the, the four that are left, let them go. I'm sure they'll, they'll find a way to, to, to survive without them. 
the, the Premier League and the Football League and the National League and the Eastman League and the Scaffold and the Kent County League. Football will go on with or without this. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. Again, you know, it's just the, the attitude of these people. And, that, and and that's what you've got in with these owners, unfortunately, how it goes. You know, the days at the top end when you've got the, the local butcher running the club are long gone. They are businesses and they want to expand money. It'll be interesting to see with the next TV deal. This may be the thing. It may be that people think, oh, I'm fed up with the Premier League. Got no interest in it at all because it's just all about money, money, money. And then they'll look at the lower leagues and, and see them there. Hopefully there could be, and this is a time for clubs to really hammer home to them, whatever level they are, what you can offer the supporters and things like that. But overall, you know, talking about overall, the, the cost of football in general in this country is quite high. And that will probably never, ever change, isn't it? And I presume that's because the money kept drifting down how expensive it is in the Premier League, you know, it's still 20 quid to go and watch the National League, which is a lot of money for, for people to, to, to fork out. So hopefully um, something can come good at this and, and our clubs will benefit from it. But again, I couldn't give a monkey's about the Premier League. If they'd gone, good luck to them. But, you know, I, I, I've got BT Sport as a television thing and I've got that for the National League highlights and that's about it. So... Yeah, I did enjoy the on. comment from Flor- uh, Fiorentino Perez as well about uh, <laughs> about how the games are too long and they think that people are only that ninety minutes is is too long to keep young people's attention spans. I mean that is absolute nonsense, isn't it? Because someone put a brilliant thing out saying about um, films, like they'll go and watch a film that's four hours long. So why do they think they they don't want to watch a football match for ninety? It's think. What you're, what you're probably going to see at this, England are going to do well in the Euros and everybody's going to go flooding back to the, the Premier League. That's my other concern on this from that as well. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's gone about arse about base. If they wanted to do something like this, surely these bigwigs who are businessmen for that probably could have thought about it a bit better rather than let's do this and people would accept it. So a farce from beginning to end and hopefully the real winner will be the supporters and all levels of football can be um, sorted out from this. But, uh, uh, you know, what are we going to talk about for the next... It's been on the news constantly the last 72 hours. It'll be good to move on and go from there and think. But it just, yeah, Premier League, no interest. I know, I know, you know, no interest in me. And what's wrong with the Champions League? I thought that was a good product, to be honest. Have you seen it? Yeah, it is. I mean, that's the thing. But that's being reformed anyway, um, which was announced uh, very quietly on Monday without anywhere near as much uh, fanfare as there might have been had this other thing not been going on in the background. So uh, interesting to see what's going to happen from there. And what you said there about the clubs and everything like that, I'm really glad, actually, on reflection, that the two clubs we've had on this week are such great community clubs in Chatham and Ramsgate. There are great community clubs throughout our county. And if you're listening to this, you're a casual listener and and you support a Premier League team or a football league team or whatever, and you've never been to a non-league game, you've done well to get this far into a podcast about non-league football. But (laughs) if you've never been to a non-league game, you've got to go because it's great fun. You can have a beer, you can hear what's going on on the pitch. You can probably chat to the players after the game and everything like that. And, do you know what, if you're listening to this and you've got friends who support Premier League teams who have never been to a non-league game, maybe you should make that your new season resolution to gr- take them along to watch a game. There could be 50 people there, but I'll bet you and your mate would have a great time. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah again, I've grown up on the terraces at non-league clubs, so um, I will never have a bad word to say about it from then. And, uh, non-league all the way, so uh, absolutely big, but yeah, just, you know. <laughs> the thing is, these Chelsea fans say, oh, it's an absolute disgrace. Chelsea are one of the worst ones for all the money roaming around the club, aren't that world? Chelsea wouldn't be anywhere without their money. And again, the fans will soon be moaning when they don't spend 100 million on strikers. So, yeah, it's, it's farcical. Yeah, that's it. I'm mad enough now. 
Yeah, uh, probably made it three wins in a row and five without defeat under Andy Woodman after a late Joe Kizzy goal beat Chesterfield 2-1. A result which at the time of recording on Tuesday evening puts them outside the playoff places on goal difference alone, but still in ninth place. Uh, games in hand for those above them, but a team in form with a trip to Halifax on Saturday, followed by the return clash with Chesterfield on Tuesday night. If Bromley can keep on winning, I think they've got a good chance. But you, Matt, you're, you're still not sure? That was a result against Chesterfield. I, I, Chesterfield have, have gone on the list, John, for their uh, furloughing of players and spending loads of money, and they lose it again tonight, which is absolutely, which is really good as well. So, that's great news for Bromley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so maybe they, maybe they, uh, maybe they can, maybe they absolutely can do it. So, um, what? Yeah, I still think the sides are in the top will get there, but that's a super result against um, against Chesterfield. I know Chesterfield lost their big striker. It's all going wrong for them. So, uh, but you have to go there and do it. And a cracking, have a look online. The, the last goal is an app, Joe Kizzy's. It's a lovely team move and a flying fullback putting the ball in the back of that. That's what I like. Yeah, uh, the, the only downside for Romney is that Chesterfield are losing to Halifax, who they play uh, oh. this weekend. But that's uh, that's by the by. But Andy Woodman doing a great job there. Uh, has there been any news on on Dover and their appeal about anything? It's gone very quiet, mate. Yeah. Um, Basically, Dover are waiting on their appeal, I think, and then they'll do decide what they're doing next season. So I think the appeals could be got to be done by the end of April. But I know the um, Mark Ives, he got the National League job, hasn't he? The, um, he's now the uh, chief executive, isn't he? And I see uh, uh, Oliver Ashbrook's statement with Dawkins about it and saying they weren't particularly impressed that he got the job, I think, from that. And one of the things with their no confidence is they wanted all the fines null and voided. So, but I think there seems to be some sort of conjecture about how it's working. So we might that might go into more depth next week. But um, I didn't think again. I think the the appeal of no confidence in the board is going okay. Is is not gone anywhere? Unsurprisingly, when you think the national league's involved. No, that doesn't uh, sound. Uh... Like that, Ramsgate have also just announced a uh, new assistant manager as well, Matt, in the last hour or so. Uh, Lee Barnett, who has worked alongside Matt Longhurst before um, at uh, Corinthian, Irith and Belvedere. And he's Grinstead. Um, he's going to work alongside Liam Taylor to form Ramsgate's management team. Uh, former QPR player, uh, Matt Longhurst, has said this evening that Lee's a great addition to the managerial team. He's worked with me at all my previous clubs, but work and family commitments didn't allow him to come to Ramsgate when I did. Uh, he really understands the way I work. He's a big character around the club. He'll bring additional experience to this level as a player and coach, which will enhance the group on the pitch, off the pitch, as well as on it. Uh, very good um, to, to have him um, brought in. Yeah, good to see. Good to see. Yeah, again, people, again, not, I've been using this word, don't stand on your laurels. You've got to move on fast in this thing because the season will soon be up with you so teams getting prepared which I quite like absolutely uh moving on then it's uh, I've had a I've had a brilliant week here mate you know how things happen in threes yep. uh so we were having a new kitchen floor laid on Friday they were supposed to be coming they turned up on Friday um we had a little bit of a concern there might be something wrong with it underneath it well there was loads wrong with it underneath it so uh the price of that tripled uh, and what could have been a, a really quick job uh, done on Friday was finished this afternoon, Tuesday. Uh, then on Saturday, uh, our drains were blocked. I went through that rigmarole before. I'm sure I mentioned it on here. Yes. Uh, that's not a pleasant job. Uh, but so I had to fix all that. And my good friend, Harry Hosepipe, was uh, was well utilised throughout that. And then just as I was finishing up the drains, I'd sorted all the drains. I'd cleared all the uh, waste. Uh, and... I've got a side gate and that broke as well. So it, literally in the space of 24 hours, I suppose it would technically be fair to say it all went to shit. <laughs> literally. Mm. Yes, literally indeed. So that was fun. Uh, so yeah, enjoyed that over the weekend. Uh, I haven't really done a lot else to be honest, just been uh, just cracking on doing my exercises and everything. Just, just minding my own business. As oh, well. I've, done, I've done the accounts as well. That was two days sat in front of the computer, um, losing my mind. So I've had a, I've had a great week. Uh, so I, we went out shop. I went to the shops. I was a bit surprised. I had to queue up everywhere, but that's about it. But basically, I'd be jab. And more importantly, I will um, get my hair cut on Friday, which will make yeah. me feel a lot better. Um, Are you keeping the top knot or? No, that's gone. It, it'll, it'll go, mate. It'll go. Everything will go. Make me feel a lot better. 
getting the old barnet chopped. Um, yeah, and then we just carry on regardless until we can get going and get more. Hopefully the weather can improve a little bit. But yeah, it's it's opened up, but I you know I haven't really done much. I've been going to bed at nine o'clock, so there you go, same old thing. But, but we did watch uh, Line of Duty, so. Um, oh. Last two weeks have been brilliant, haven't they? Very, very good. So it would be interesting to see. They're not going to bump her off, are they? So no. Um, yeah, well, a good. Yeah, without. Well, every, I think everybody must have seen that picture with that copper and went, "That's James Nesbitt." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing was, what's really clever was there was a story when he was doing that Bloodlands that was on before it. He said, well, I've never been asked. I've never been asked for line of duty. It really annoys me. I've never been asked. And then he turns up. Very good. Very good. I presume they'll do another series, will they? Yeah, there's there's going to be another series after this one. So, uh, But he has confirmed. He he lied about it. Uh, He he said he had to keep his role a secret. Because he did did some press and said, oh, I never get asked. It really annoys me. And then he's in it. He said it. So they, he said it was easier to keep it a secret by plotting this scheme between the two of us rather than uh, going in through a proper casting process, which is absolutely uh, it's great. And so looking forward to seeing how that all pans out. I watched a really good documentary last night. I kind of stumbled across it about Derry City. Did you see that? I did. I did see it. I saw it advertised. Was it, it was good. Talking? Yeah, it was. It was really good about how um, they weren't allowed to play or they wouldn't let them play in the in the Northern Irish League. So they joined the Southern Irish League and they the adventure they went on and, and they had this, uh, <clears throat> this great South African player who they all loved and everything, which I thought was, uh, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was really good, really interesting. Enjoy that, um, that sort of side of things, but yeah, it was good. Apparently you haven't got Netflix. The life story of Roberto Baggio is, is going on to Netflix, a film, actually a film film, like with actors. I've got Netflix. Have you got Netflix? Uh, I've yeah. got Netflix. What, why are you saying I haven't got Netflix? I've got I, Netflix. I, I, thought, yeah, I, thought, I, thought, well, I thought maybe it's Amazon or you didn't think. Yeah, I I've got that. both. I, oh, do you uh, not remember? I watched that bloody awful thing behind uh, Rise uh, or whatever it was called. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but apparently Netflix. a film about Roberto Baggio is coming on. So um, uh, interesting to see. Also, what I will say, the results, my phone big in. Do you think a lot of teams in the National League have given up? What, you mean like one that lost 7-2 at home at the weekend that are 2-0 down tonight? 4-0 down now. Oh, are they? Do you think, um, yeah, do you think that Woking seems to have given up the ghost as well? Yeah. Mm, Interesting. Uh, And and that goes back to the integrity of the competition. I would say Dover withdrawing from the rest of the season is better integrity than giving up. Well, I, 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 I said before, I keep looking at this and thinking, right, Weymouth, we needed, let me get 50, we need, would we have got to get out of this relegation hole? If everybody's results were the same, well, I know they might not have been, in 18 games, would we have got 23 points? Quite possibly. Well, I think we would have done. Yeah. We'll never know. That That is the tragedy of this season, Matt. We'll know, never know. I know in my heart of hearts we would have done this. But yeah, a lot of teams, basically, Willstone have given, given up. Woking have given up. Barnet. Barnet I, well, I don't think we'll know if Barnet have given up or not, to be honest. Yeah, so, and Kings Lynn seem to be, yeah. So, yeah, 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 it's not looking good when Willstone can see 11 goals in two games, does it? No, it's not a good look for for the league. But then that's that's the decision that they made by their decision to. And, and also, I'm going to think Altrincham carrying on. We were hoping to get promoted. They wheels have come off for them as well. They've won about two games in about twenty. So where we go? There we go. Well, right, next season, when if we get our revenge to stay up, this is when we'll revenge is best uh, cold, isn't it? They say. I've heard Dover have been invited into the European Super League, mate. Yeah, that, that would have been good. It'd been, we're, we're, we're taking it. Well, yeah, and the thing is, you're well situated to get the ferry across, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, we'd have been that. We, we could have been the French contingent, couldn't we? So, yeah. yeah. Bonjour. We'd have, take, we'd have taken our 40 grand to pay the fine off. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but there's yeah, basically, yeah, there's a lot of. As long as the season goes on, there's going to be more and more. Strange results. Who have Wildstone got coming up? <laughs> Look at their matches. Who do you think will be rubbing their hands? 
all the shop Wills time. Uh, Stockport. Wills had a white in Stockport. Oh, crikey. Chesterfield. Yeah, oh dear, yeah. Yes, yeah. Bromley, 11th for May, Tuesday yeah, night. Cricket score. Mm. <laughs> Oh, what about that for the final day as well? Woking against Wheelstone. That has surely got abandoned written all over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of us can be too to turn up. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it seems to, doesn't seem to be right, to my opinion, that teams seem to be... Um, the integrity of the competition is going big, but nobody sort of keep mentioning that now, are they? I suppose if you win 7-2 away, Hartlepool couldn't give a monkey's about the integrity of the competition, could they? They certainly could not. Anyway, uh, we've prattled on for long enough now. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's show. Uh, don't forget, you can find us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well. Search for Kent Only Podcast on Twitter. I'm at John Phipps 81. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Thank you very much uh, to Kevin Hake and to Matt Longhurst for their time uh, earlier on today, Tuesday. Who knows what will have happened with the European Super League between now and when I next hear this bit when I'm putting it together probably on Wednesday lunchtime. But thank you everybody for listening and uh, we will speak to you all next week on the Ken Only Podcast. Power to the people. <laughs>